I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Wind waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will check in on Hunter Renfro and the rest of the scrubs in AAA. They'll bring back the Twitter segment, and they'll tell you why they think the Players Weekend jerseys were complete dog shit. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoo. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou, and what an eventful weekend we had. Uh, we're going to go off uh, topic a little bit here. We're going to talk about the big fight. Eric, uh, we uh, got to hang out with a couple of buddies from work to watch uh, McGregor versus Mayweather. Uh, Eric was a little tipsy towards the end, but from what you can recall, Eric, what Is you that think? what you call it, a little tipsy? I'm, I'm being generous here. I'm trying to be a nice friend. Wow. Yeah, so what a night, man. I mean, the fight, I'm not going to bullshit anyone and pretend like we know boxing. Absolutely. I know they punch, dodge, duck, dip, and dive. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, from what I remember of the fight, it was pretty good. The uh, It was the atmosphere. It was, it was uh, a very... I'm not big into boxing, uh, but the, the atmosphere of it and just the... It was surreal seeing, uh, and seeing McGregor just walk out there um, looking completely unclassed or outclassed. But just to see him out there just going at it and throwing punches uh, was surreal. It was quite the event, and that uh, proves that what kind of uh, what trash talking and all the hype that they did can do. They made a lot of money yeah. uh, off that fight. McGregor's going to make over $100 million, I hear, uh, once, uh, once the uh, purse comes in for him. Someone who lost a lot of money from the fight, me. <laughs> so. not, not $100 million. No, not a hundred. Not a hundred million. So. I would like to say my car is looking pristine, like I just drove her off the lot. Yeah. So for those of you who follow us on Twitter, me at miserable sd fan, Danny at five point five Dan, I made a public apology on Sunday. <laughs> Complete shitbag move. So I'm sitting there, and I before I know it, I start drinking over at our buddy Luis's house. A friend from work invites us over, and I'm sitting there, and before I know it, the bottle of tequila that I brought over is gone. Yeah, the bottle of squirt diet squirt you brought over is only about halfway finished. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty much gone, and and I'm gone as well as the tequila. And so, um, Danny over here gives me a ride home. I'm sure you regretted it. About what ten minutes into the ride, how long was it before? Well, our friend lives off of uh, he lives off of uh, or he lives in Rancho Bernardo, so kind of between. Uh, no way, I was making it from Rancho Bernardo all the way to PB. No, we didn't even make it to Poway Road. We're driving down now. We get back on the freeway. And it takes a little bit to get in the freeway uh, over in the Rancho Bernardo area. So, uh, where our friend stays is right by Rancho Bernardo High School. So we pull out of there. I can already tell Eric's having a hard time. He's sweating. And so we get on the freeway, and I keep asking him, are you all right? Are you good? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then as we get to Poway Road, where the express uh, for the Ted Williams Parkway going down the 15 South is, the shoulder on that lane thins out because that express lane opens up. So it's a thin shoulder. And he goes, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up right now. I'm going to throw up. And I'm like, okay, well, let me try to make it to Poway Road, buddy. We're almost there. Too late. Trying to be supportive. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to pull over to the side right here, right when the shoulder widens back out. Literally, as soon as I hit the emergency lights and start to slow down and pull over, all I hear is, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> and then I just see 
throw up and <laughs> barf project towards my windshield and then Eric slumps over and opens the door and just lets out. I think we're sitting there. I don't know if you remember. We were there for like five minutes. Yeah, no, I don't remember. So what did we learn? I think we learned that when someone well, says they we, need to throw up, yeah. you fucking pull over. Well, There's no, hey, let's wait for Poway Road. We also pull learned, over. Yeah, we also learned I'm just going to let you take an Uber next time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, dude. I think an Uber from RB to PB on Saturday night. 200 bucks easy. I mean, that's about the same as what I paid for the car detail <laughs> yeah. and the gas. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, oh, I got a nice. Jesus I got Christ. twenty bucks. I got well. Eric texted me. Uh, I want to say about the third round. This is a ten round fight. About the third round, Eric shoots me a text and goes, "Hey, I don't want to ask out loud, but you know, can you give me a ride home because I'm drinking?" And I say, "Of course I can. What are friends for?" And so, uh, twenty bucks showed up in my Venmo account. And then the next morning, before I can even get up, I don't know what the hell you were doing up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Pounding headache and throwing up some more. <laughs> yes. I get a, And I, considering beating off. I get a... <laughs> <laughs> now, was it Brazzers or Reality Kings? Jagoff has to know. We'll leave that at a cliffhanger. Okay. Well, that'll be for the sequel. Um, but I get a notification. You received $100 in your Venmo account from Eric LeBou. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. Great. I'm going to go detail the car. And then... I just tell them, oh, yeah, it's great. They're going to do the whole thing. It's going to be 150 with tip. It's great. You have $50 from Eric Laboon. I'm like, man, I just made $170 for a 20-minute ride and some throw-up. Yeah. That's the best. That's, well, I made like 170 bucks for that one hour. That was amazing. Yeah. Hey, uh, fiance, I know we're saving for the wedding, but uh, I lost $200 because <laughs> I can't control my shit. <laughs> oh, man, it was good stuff. The fight was exciting. I mean, it was, it was a cool thing. Like I said, I'm not into boxing, but I love the spectacle of it all. I don't know what the hell Floyd Mayweather came out with with the ski mask and whatnot, but yeah, that was a little weird. It was a little odd, but uh, no, it was very, it was very exciting. McGregor being his usual self, uh, they put on a good show. I, I, that's all that you can say about that. But uh, speaking of shows and shit shows, let's get into Padre baseball. Uh, we're gonna start with Down on the Farm. It's not a good report, but we're gonna start with Down on a Farm. Down on the Farm, of course. Uh, Hunter Renfro was the big news recently, getting sent down. He has since, surprise, surprise, torn up AAA pitching. Are you shocked by this at all, Eric? Absolutely. Absolutely not. And then also, I'm absolutely not shocked by uh, Bill Center having him say, uh, hey, Padres on deck. Look at Hunter Renfro. I'm like, (laughs) Padres on deck? Yeah. Was that that, uh, far back Monday or whatever? He's not on deck, but he's in the doghouse. Yeah. Padres on deck. Yeah. Nice job, Bill. Yeah. Speaking of Bill Center, somebody get on him to put Bob Chandler in the Hall of Fame. What is he doing? Yeah, that's you know that's something that we weren't even planning on talking about for the show. But to be honest, like I saw a lot of people talking about talking about the Padres Hall of Fame and blah blah blah. And then also Big push for uh, Bob Chandler. Yeah, I'm down to have I'm down to have Bob Chandler in there. But I think it was RJ's fro who brought up the point. Like, is anyone else? as disturbed as he is that bill center seems like the the gatekeeper of the padres hall of fame like that's it bill center like there's no one else that it runs through other than bill center well i I never even thought about that i didn't either i don't know how much how much well he's got a lot of weight to throw around but i don't know how much of that is invested in the actual organization hopefully not enough bob chandler was a, a very solid broadcaster for a long time he's come back a couple times in the booth he deserves to be in the hall of fame and bill center Hunter Renfro is not on deck. Um, yeah. Now, he is doing well down there. We all know that the it's not service time because, like Eric said, when Renfro was first sent down, yeah, that was the initial hot take, Eric included, but he's going to be 31, 32 by the time he hits free agency anyways. It, it doesn't make sense to keep him down for service time, especially when you have a guy like Margot who they can keep longer. So I think we all knew, and then I take Andy Green's word for it, that it was a developmental issue, that they wanted to go down to work on some things. 
He has a 12% walk rate down there since he's been down there. So that's good. Yeah, he was the uh, AAA PCL Player of the Week. Congratulations. This last week. So yeah. I'll take it from Bill Center's tweet. Um, Padres on deck. Hunter Renfro, 11 for 21. Three walks, five doubles, a triple, and a homer. Just so, one home run, huh? One home run. But at the end of the day, I didn't hear any strikeouts there. Yeah, I didn't either. I think I read somewhere else that he went, what, four games without a strikeout? So I guess he's doing what they told him to do down there. He's walking at a 12.5% clip. And that is the biggest thing. I've been saying it since we started doing these podcasts. The biggest issue for Renfro is contact. He's going to swing and miss. It's just a fact of the matter. He's got to learn to put himself in the hitter's counts. He has enough power. If he'd have stayed up, he'd have slumped into 25 to 30 home runs easy. Because he has like, all he's got to do is make contact. We've seen him hit home runs 400 feet where he watched the replay and it doesn't even look like he got it all. So his biggest issue is going to be getting on base. He wasn't doing awful, but... Yeah, he was. Nah, he was close to a, a league average hitter. It wasn't like he was... Uh, I can't think of anybody right now. He wasn't Travis Jankowski. <laughs> you know, but... Um, I do like that they that they send a message and sending him down and saying, you need to go work on this specific thing. I don't think him hitting, and, and we'll touch on this later with our Twitter segment, but I don't think him hitting at that clip is any surprise. I don't think it does him any favors. I think they're looking for him to keep working the count like he's seemingly doing and trying to put himself into better hitter's count so he gets better pitches to hit, and so he gets on base in between the home runs. You can't just hit homers. you got to get on base every now and then because you're not helping your team otherwise. Well, the thing is, like, what are they expecting from him? Like, they know once they send him down to El Paso, he's already torn up El Paso. Like, what are you expecting to see? I think what they're expecting to see, and I hear, you know, Keith Law talks about this when he talks about prospects and, you know, setting up uh, goalposts for them, and that you set certain developmental goals for them to achieve. So for him, maybe you don't set a hard number on the walk rate, but maybe they say, you know what, we want to see you work deeper counts. We want to see a higher pitch per at-bat count. And we want to see you, you know, work some more walks and work on your plate discipline. Those are things you can tangibly see in a player. We saw it in, was it May, where he actually walked quite a bit? We thought it looked like he was trying. But, you know, you can see it in a guy's numbers and his pitches per plate appearance and his walk rate if they're actually making some kind of conscious effort. So I think that's what they're doing. I don't think they care what his average is, how many home runs he hits, how many runs he drives in. I think they're strictly looking at him from a standpoint of, is he working deeper counts? Is he taking pitches to get ahead in the counts? Is he putting himself in a better position to get on base and to get a better pitch to hit? Are they waiting for him to to, to show that fire in his eyes that he really wants to be at the major league level? <laughs> I don't know what they're waiting for. No? But we'll see. I mean, you never know. So this kind of, and we, we last week, our uh, return from our one-week hiatus, we didn't do a Twitter segment because, I mean, we had a shit ton to go off of, yeah. but... I mean, uh, this kind of, and we'll get into this kind of early, but this is just uh, answering a Carlos R at C underscore Los R in regards to Renfro. Because we had planned on opening up with Renfro anyways, but then he asked, uh, does Renfro hitting better in AAA mean anything, or is it something you should uh, that should be expected, and how long does he stay there? So we'll get into the rest of the Twitter segment later, but we wanted to kind of touch on that from the beginning because there was also a lot of talk about that on the Make the Padres Great Again podcast, which... I'll throw Danny under the bus right now. We were talking about this before uh, before the show. Danny, he doesn't listen to any of the other Padres podcasts, just no, so I, you guys know. I, I really don't. I don't listen to to the Make the Padres Great Again podcast for, this, for the sole reason that when we started doing this, 
Uh, I like Craig Elston a lot. I'll, I'll be the first. I've been a big fan of Elston since he was doing the 619 sports fill-ins. Uh, and he uh, went over your tweet about America. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you got him with the Ken Rosenthal one as well. But um, the reason I try not to listen to the other podcasts, to be honest, is that I don't want to subconsciously be influenced by topics they talk about because I don't want to make it sound like I might be copying them. And I heard one after we did a podcast early on with Craig and um, Gennaro where I'm like, oh, this is something we kind of did the other day, and this came out before ours, so I didn't. We didn't mean to do it, but that's that's what it sounded like to me. So that's why I kind of stay away from from the other podcast. That's a terrible excuse. So, anyways, he doesn't listen to any of the other ones. Sorry, I listen to every single one out there, but yeah. Danny listens to Jack shit. But anyways, hey, how's that for getting thrown under the bus? Yeah, yeah, how well, you doing over there? Yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> so, anyways, they were talking about that this week. Throw and, me in my car. It's nice and detailed. <laughs> and uh, Gennaro uh, made up the point there that. Um, if you want to, if you want to send them down to get coached up, then that's dumb because the best coaches in the organization are at the major league level. What do you think about that? I would disagree with that because the best coaches, the best coaches are not at the major league level. Ideally, the way you structure your coaching staff in the minor leagues is that they're there to develop guys. They're not so much focused on. Uh, I mean, they're focused on winning. Let's not let's not you know get too far ahead of ourselves. They want to win, obviously, but their main goal is to help guys succeed to get to the next level. Those coaches know, with Renfro going down, if you think they're not getting briefed and told, hey, this is what we're looking for out of Hunter, this is what we want, and that they're not helping him work towards that, then you know, you, you don't understand how the minor league system works. Those guys are there to help develop players. That's why they're there. That's why they get paid the bucks that they do. They don't make big bucks, but that's, why that's, their, that's their entire role. Go down there, help develop players. That's part of why I think Andy Green has done so well handling this shuffling roster of rookies the last couple of years is because he spent time managing in the minor leagues. He understands the developmental side of things. And you got guys like Andrew Green that are down there doing that as well. So I don't think that Mark McGuire is going to tell Hunter Renfro anything better just because he's supposedly the best coach because he's at the major league level than some guy that's down there already that's being fed information from the front office as well. So to me, it doesn't matter what level he does it at. I do think the minor leagues is less pressure because whether he performs or not is moot. The minor leagues don't really matter. It's nice when they make the playoffs and stuff, but there's less pressure to perform. He's basically down there on basically a mental rehab assignment. Well, that's if it is mental, that's kind of concerning. So they have Myers. They give him what? They gave him three or four days off in yeah. a row before giving him a mental break. But they're not going to send Myers needs a down. mental break. Yeah. Like what? What is this? I don't know. I mean, I think Myers is pressing, uh, and I think Renfro, to me, just needs some more time. Not more time to develop. Actually, no, I'll say it. He needs more time to develop a certain asset of his game that he never bothered to develop the entire time he was in the system. Renfro runs into the problem where he's never struggled. I mean, he he struggled a little bit in double-A, but he is consistently hit at every level. He's had no reason to change anything. So because of that, he comes up here, and that approach doesn't work anymore. So it forces him to change. Now he's got to go back down and change. Myers is fine to me. He's just striking out a little bit more than usual. But overall, he's okay, and I think he'll be fine. It's not like he's under – I mean, he might be underproducing compared to expectations, but he's not awful. He's been averaged slightly above average. He'll be fine. Um, and he's, you know, entering his prime and whatnot. Renfro, to me, is a guy that succeeded at every level, never struggled, and then struggled here. I mean, almost immediately out of the shoot. Do you think with Renfro's performance this year that it's kind of uh... – changed how the organization views him as a future piece i think it's changed more of how fans view him as a future piece i think that's of, a good point i think of i think i think 
Preller knew what he had. Let's, I mean, Preller tried to package Renfro. He tried to package Whistler when we still had him. And he tried to package Hedges to get Cole Hamels. You remember that, that rumored deal. So I do think that Preller is not as high on Renfro as some might think. I think he's higher on Hedges of the guys that they did have when Preller got here. For good reason. Oh, yeah, of course. But I, I think they knew what they had in Renfro, and I think that's why they kept him in double-A, and I think that's why they moved him to triple-A after he kind of got consistent. Um, I think they understand what they have, and I think that's why they've been so gung-ho to move him down. Because let's be honest, Hedges wasn't hitting. No. And they had all the right in the world. I mean, he hasn't been hitting. He's hit, he hits home runs, but he doesn't do much in between. They could easily say, you know what, we're going to put you back down on the minors, spare some more service time for you, and we're going to let Hector Sanchez start because Sanchez has been hitting. But I think they're higher on him than they are on Renfro. I think they're higher on Margot because for a little while Margot was kind of mediocre at best offensively. But Well, Hedges has something that he does great, and that's defensive. Well, they you both know, He's do. got the defensive skills, and what does Renfro has? He, have, he has power. Yeah, and they also they have a guy in Jabari Blash who is very similar to Renfro, except Blash actually walks. I wouldn't be surprised. Blash is a bum. He is, but Renfro might be a bum too. And Blash at least works walks. He doesn't sit up there and hack himself out of an at-bat. He'll work the count. He's going to strike out a lot. Now, here, here's my hot take of the day. I oh would boy. not be surprised if Jabari Blash ends up having a better career than Hunter Renfro. Really? Based strictly on play discipline. Oh, that's sizzling hot. Sizzling hot. But, I mean, the reality is we've seen it. We've seen guys who have found a way to, to provide some kind of value. Blash has power. Teams are going to give him opportunities strictly because he has light tower power. He has as much power as Renfro. He's not, he doesn't look terrible in the outfield, but Renfro statistically has not been very good either. The fact is, Blash gets on base, he works deeper counts. You do that, you give yourself a better chance each and every at-bat. You hear guys say it all the time, all the more pitches you see, the better off you are. You know, the better feel you get. Renfro doesn't do that. He hacks himself out of at-bats. Blash has better play discipline and has much power. It's not it's not unrealistic to think that they might break even when their career is over. Blash is just a little bit older, but not by much. Yeah, I just... So here's what I see when I see Renfro. I see a guy, he's what, 26? So I think he's 25. I don't think he's 26 yet. Well, the thing is, when as time goes on, these players get younger and younger, and I feel like the the prime closes at a yeah. younger age than what it has been. So when he, I see him at 25 or 26, and I see what he is now, and I don't see him getting on base any more than he really is, I'm like, well, I don't care if they trade him. I don't care if he's no longer on the team. I don't either. It, and you're right. It's it's hard to see when you see he's very he's very old for a prospect. Yeah. Because he was a the thing is. And this is a difference between this is a difference between him and Jed Jerko. Um, Jerko wasn't given, I think, a fair a fair shake here. He had the one good year, and then the next year, uh, he started struggling, and Bud Black started moving him all over the place. Um, he went to St. Louis, and he got an opportunity. The difference with Jerko and Renfro is that Jerko was always considered to be a very good hitter from a complete standpoint. From a standpoint, because he's going to work walks, he's going to get on base. He's not the greatest on base machine. But he's given an opportunity to develop, and I don't think he was as old as Renfro was when he came up. I feel like he was only in the system for a couple of years by the time he actually got to come up. Renfro's an older prospect. Like I said, he's already a 25-year-old prospect. You feel like a guy who was a first-round pick out of college should have been up within two to three years tops. You would think. And he wasn't. I mean, he's drafted at 21. He didn't come up full-time until he was 25. Right. So I'm getting to the point with him where – 
And again, I'm, I'm always the, what have you done for me lately? So he could very well get called up in September, go off like he did last year, and I'm like, hey, Renfro's back. Yeah. But I don't see that happening. I don't see that. I mean, it could happen, but you have to take the context and consideration. Other teams are bringing up September call-ups too. So the, and, and there's teams that are resting guys. Like the Dodgers, they're going to rest people in September. Their, their division is theirs. They're, they're not going anywhere. The power keeps me intrigued with Renfro. It does. It but keeps, it's everything else that kind of gets me like, eh. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge guy for defense and right field. I do think he'll end up being solid out there uh, in the long run. He hasn't accumulated enough innings for a fair take on his. Here's ex- here's my hot take. I don't give a shit about defense. Is I, that is that bad? No, I couldn't care less about defense. I care to a point. I really care up the middle. Center- I care, exactly. I care up the middle. Shortstop, second base, center field, third base too. I do care about third base because that comes next. But third yeah, third base I don't really care. Catcher, shortstop. Second base, center field. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. I'll swap out second for third. We'll agree to disagree. But, no, you're right. I, I do I, – I value defense, but when you're getting into the corners or at first base, I'm not as high on it. Um, I probably should care about defense. I'll preface it with that, but I don't care about well, defense. You certainly care in our adult league games where we're giving up runs galore. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyways. You can ask uh, Woods on that one. He, he knows what that's all about. Anyways, but, so, I mean – I don't know. Is is Renfro going to come back and does he have a starting spot next year? I, ooh, that's tough because uh, Perella has been you know Perella. Yeah, he's 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 been playing with uh, a lot of passion. He's earned a spot. And if Blash, I don't know what Blash is doing right now. In fact, I might even look it up right now just to see. But if Blash is you know doing okay, I can't see why Renfro would just be handed the spot. I think they want him to take it. I think they want him to take ownership of it. But the fact that they brought Blash up, who did really well, let's be honest, Jabari Blash got the shaft uh, the last time when Margot came off the DL because he was actually doing fairly well, uh, getting somewhat regular playing time, but he got the shaft. Right now, Jabari Blash on the Padres so far, he's only had 38 games. So he's had 118 plate appearances. He's walking at a 16% clip. He strikes out a lot. I mean, a third of the time. Well, that's given. But you look at his numbers, and he's a league average hitter. He's hitting 216. He's got a 347 on base. He's slugging 381. He, he plays out to about league average. He's accumulated per fan graphs about as much war in those 38 games than Renfro has all year. And Renfro has been exclusively the starting right fielder. I know you don't like war, and it doesn't really apply here. Oh, I here. love war. Yeah, I know you do. It gets me hard as a rock. Yeah, I know. I know you do. But, um, I mean, I look at those numbers and think, here's Blash. He gets on base at a 340 clip. Here's Renfro. gets on base at a 280 clip. Of these two guys, these two you know, mid-20-somethings, Who's going to give me a better chance to score runs? Right now it's Blash. So if I'm if I'm Andy Green or if I'm AJ Preller, I'm telling Renfro and Blash, you guys are fighting it out for right field. Let the best man win. The other guy's going to be on the bench. And right now, to me, Blash has the advantage. Yeah, I think I I, I think you're right because he they have I mean the same amount of power. You can call that a wash. And Blash has he's much more patient at the plate. He's yeah. much more selective and he has a much better eye. Yeah. So Renfro, I feel like sometimes like he'll be yeah, he'll be pressing, but he swings at shit pitches. He does. He runs him he hacks himself out of at bats. Yeah. Like he swings at everything to the point where he doesn't allow himself to get those good pitches that he can crush because he works himself into O two counts just by swinging at whatever the hell is thrown up there. Yeah. Now Blash is three years older. He turned I think he turned twenty eight relatively recently. But just to give you an idea, now, Renfro strikes out twenty about 29% of the time around up. So they strike out almost the same, 33% to 29%. Renfro walks at a 6% clip. That's awful. He walks almost a third uh, less than Blast does, 
When Renfro went down, he's hitting 230. So he's hitting higher than Blash, but he had 285 on base, and he was slugging 443. So he was below league average, about 10% below. Where in the small sample size, Blash is about league average. Blash is the better player right now. And so I'm telling Renfro, like, you got to outperform this guy or you're not going to have a spot. I don't think they should hand it to him because he hasn't done anything to earn it. When call-ups come around, you think Renfro's just going to come up and ride the bench? Wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. And I wouldn't put it past Andy Green because, you know, Blash isn't a prospect anymore, but he's earned the playing time. They shouldn't just hand it to Renfro for nothing. Yeah, so we did off the top, if you heard our lovely studio announcer, Miss Kelsey Barr, she said that we were going to check in on some of the other scrubs in AAA, too. Oh, man. Dude, I completely forgot that Travis Jankowski ex- exists. I didn't completely even know. Forgot. I, I thought he was on the DL. <laughs> I did, too. I thought, I thought his ankle was amputated. Yeah, I thought that he was, was completely split. out for the year. So he's he's played about 34 games down there. And he has sucked. I'm sorry for those who like Jankowski, but... I have said it for a while. He is a fifth outfielder slash defensive replacement slash base running replacement. Uh, he is hitting 231. He's got a solid on base of 331 uh, down in AAA. He's slugging 296. You know, we should probably look at the same at the same sites for our numbers because I'm on Baseball Reference and it's not. It's, uh, I'm on Fangraphs. They usually update a little bit quicker. Uh, what I got on Baseball Reference. Whatever. It's similar. Anyways, so that's I've I've said the same about Jankowski. He's a perfect fourth outfielder. Fifth. Well. To me, Blast is a fourth outfield. At least he can run into one. That's true. He's a guy who you bring him in late in the game, defensive replacement, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Pinch runner. Pinch runner, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. He he shouldn't be sniffing a starting spot anywhere. Agreed. I mean, Jankowski is in the PCL is a hitter's league. Triple A is, is a hitter's haven. He is hitting 30% below a league average Triple A player. That is awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, the guy is not doing awful, but he's not doing anything great either. Uh, Ryan Schimpf does still exist, folks. Uh, he's doing his usual shtick. He's hitting only 208, according to Fangraphs. And in El Paso, that's awful. It is. He's got a 317 on base, and he's slugging 489. He's a league average hitter down there. No surprise there. But he's been, uh, you know, I think the idea was let's send him down. We'll see what Spangenberg and Aswahe can do. And they've completely outclassed him at the major league level, and Schimpf's just been buried. I don't think he sniffs the major leagues outside of a September call-up for pretty much the rest of his career. I I hate saying it because I like the idea of Schimpf. He's such a unique player, but I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, that ship has sailed. Dude, 19 homers, 6 doubles. He's he's such a weird player, Schimpf is. He is. He is very weird. There's a couple of articles on him on Fangraphs about how extreme uh, a player he is in terms of just hitting home runs. Nothing but home runs. Nothing but home runs. It worked last year. He wasn't awful. If you look up his overall rate stats, he was close to league average this year, but it just didn't work out, and there's no reason to sit a swire, especially Spangenberg, who's been amazing this year. Yeah, and going back to age, Schimpf is 29. Yeah. He's, he's a complete non-factor yeah, for the he's a, he, he was a, you hope he clicks, and then you get a lottery ticket for him at the deadline type of guy. I think it's the only reason they kept him up. It didn't work out, so now you got a couple of young guys holding it down. Yeah, so one guy who was, who was with El Paso, and we were excited for him to come up because now he's in the – um, in the uh, bullpen there is Carter Caps. Man, he's been disappointing. He's been – I've only seen really him pitch bad. once. I saw him pitch on the debut uh, right before we taped an episode um, the day of that he uh, came back. And he, he looks – he doesn't look bad. He just looks really middle of the road. Yeah. Real middle of the road. I, I feel like he was throwing a lot harder in spring training. Right now he's 92, 93, kind of flat. Breaking ball still okay. 
I do think that him and he's he's updated the delivery. It's more of like a it's not a skip and a hop. It's more of like a slide. Right. But I think that has absolutely neutered him from a velocity standpoint because he's not throwing hard at all. I mean, he's middle of the road velocity. Yeah. And so he's and this is from Baseball Reference. Uh, seven and two thirds, eleven hits, nine earned runs. Oof. One strikeout. One? One strikeout in seven and two-thirds. Yeah. Now, now let's be – I mean, he's just coming back from Tommy John. He's missed most of the year, so we don't know where he is health-wise. He could come back next year, you know, another year removed and be even better. But as of right now, I, I see why they kept him in the minors so long because we were questioning, like, where the hell is Carter Caps? Yeah, I was getting pissed. Yeah. Well, now we know why. Because <laughs> he was supposedly – I mean, he was going to be our big trade piece yeah. after we traded Brad Hand, which we didn't do. But he was going to be our big trade piece, and now I'm looking at him, I'm like, oof. Yeah, he like looks very middle of the road. Yeah, he just looks very, very vanilla. Yeah. Like, very, just bad, dude. He's he's not overpowering mediocre. whatsoever. And, you know, speaking about mediocre, uh, Padres, they've lost four straight games. Yay! The tank, my friends, is rolling strong. Yay! We're, now we, we're sputtering to the finish line. Now, we talked about this because one of our Twitter segment uh, questions uh a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, was, you know, do you think the fans are kind of over the tank? Well, I think they are, but I'm glad the Padres are not. The Padres need to lose, uh, and we had talked about how they're going to start playing the real teams, and uh, that's exactly what happened. The Miami Marlins are not a bad team. They're a middle-of-the-road 500 team. They're really hot right now. They are, and they also have, you know, Stanton hitting bombs left and right. He owned Travis Wood. Oh, yeah. So um, Woody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I got when Stanton hit that home run to left off of him. Yeah, but um, no, I mean this is this is nothing but good news. Now, unfortunately, the Cardinals didn't step up and they dropped two out of three to the Padres, but they lost three to the Marlins. Samarja finally showed up and pitched well tonight, so they've lost four in a row. This is a good thing, and the Dodgers are coming to town this weekend, and then a couple weeks later, the Rockies are coming to town, and the Diamondbacks. It's going to be a rough stretch for the first uh, two weeks of September, three weeks of September, I should say. Big time. Now you know that the tank is in full effect when Samarja goes complete game shutout. He three has, hits. He tonight. has been an absolute flop. Yes. For the for the Giants, absolute flop. But I'm glad he showed up tonight and shut out the Padres. This is only good news. I think he said the Padres. Um, I had read somewhere on the message board. I don't know how long goes with, but they're like at like the number eight pick. And I think he said they've dropped down to top five now. They're about the fifth pick. Good. That's good news. Now, Fangraphs, of course, does a lot of projections with their algorithms and whatnot. Uh, based on strength of schedule, the Padres were actually projected to win about 40 to 42% of their remaining games over the season, which I believe is lower than their current winning percentage before the slide started. So this is this is nothing but good news. This is what we can hope for. And it's very realistic to look at these matchups and think that the Padres are going to get swept by the Giants. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can't hit Samarja, then, you Who's know. throwing for them tomorrow? Block. So, tomorrow on Tuesday. No, he's throwing on Wednesday. Um, on Moore? Tuesday, tomorrow, yeah, they have Matt Moore against Luis Perdomo. So Perdomo, he, um, I forgot who put it out there, but they said that with this last start that he made against the Cardinals, mm-hmm. um, he qualifies for, um, he has enough innings that now he has the lowest ground ball rate in the major leagues. That's excellent. Too bad his defense sucks. Yeah, that's true. But with Perdomo, honestly, when I, when he goes out there, I don't, I have no confidence that we're going to win, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it, it is. And it's nothing against Perdomo. You put a good defense behind him, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy's pretty solid. But, yeah, I mean, he's out there to develop at the major league level because they don't have anybody else. But Yeah, so um, you have more, and then Wednesday they have, is it pronounced Block? 
Yeah, Ty Block. Ty Block. So you have Ty Block against Travis Wood. Now, Travis Wood sucks. He's awful. Oh, God, he sucks. He sucks. He's also a human rain delay. Yeah, and he as takes our, forever. Uh, yeah, as our uh, delayed or one week off from our podcasting uh, follies uh, will tell you. Yeah, and then Friday, the, the Dodgers come into town, and uh, good old Clayton Kershaw taking the bump <laughs> on Friday, so chalk that up to an L. Yep, and then after that, it's good old Hugh Darvish and then good old Rich Hill. That's probably a sweep, folks. Yeah, so they've lost... They're three and seven in their last ten, and they yeah. could very well lose. I the think next they're going to take six one. Straight. I think they'll take one from the Giants because Block and more mediocre pitchers. They'll take one. Uh, they're probably going to get swept by the Dodgers. I think the Diamondbacks come into town a couple of weeks after that on the following homestand. Yeah. I think I don't know where they're going after this homestand, uh, but then they're coming back. The Diamondbacks will be there, and then uh, the Rockies will come into town. We're going to be at the game on the twenty third, folks. By the way. Uh, Eric's bachelor party will be that evening. Oh, boy. So you're uh, more than welcome to stop by a park at the park to sit up, up on Twitter. Uh, but uh, in other news, in terms of down on the farm stuff, big news announced today. We've been waiting for this for a while, but the big news finally announced September 30th, the Padres are going to host the Rangers in uh, an encore to last year's prospect game. So we'll get what hopefully is seeming like an annual prospect game against the Rangers. Dude, I couldn't be more stoked. So this came out about half hour, 45 minutes before we started recording tonight, and I, we've we've all been asking for it. We wanted it to, to happen again, and they're saying now that it's going to be an annual thing. Yeah, which is really exciting, and I, I love the idea of it. I don't know who came up with it, but absolutely brilliant idea. Yeah, definitely, and I'm, I'm calling it right now. So last year it was free to get in. Oh. It was free to get in, and I'm pretty sure the concessions were at a reduced price. So I'm calling it right now. To get in this year, it's going to be at least five to ten bucks. I wouldn't doubt it. I and hope it's going not. to be general admission. Sit wherever you want, but it's five to ten bucks to get in. Guarantee it. That's not bad though. I know it's not, but yeah. it's just it's so Padres. I know, I know. I it know. is so Padres. But I agree. Yeah, they're yet to um, release the rosters of who will be playing, but um, yeah, we're going to be playing the Rangers again. And last year, uh, we saw Naylor, um, our boy. Yeah. The fucking truth, Josh Naylor, go yard. <laughs> uh, we saw Urias. Where's this love for Naylor coming from? Did I miss something in the last week? Well, us fat guys got to stick together. Yeah. Um, Urias and his zero power went off the off the center field wall last year. I think he went for a triple on that. Probably stand up double. Whatever. Pretty sure. Um, extra base hit. Extra base hit. So it's it's kind of it's fun to think about who's going to be out there this yeah. game. So we, we I, have some hopefuls. I mean, we a lot of these guys were there last year. They were really raw. Tatis Jr. Yeah. was not the the only guy that I really heard talking about him was uh, Logan Hagen from Fangrass. But Tatis Jr. was there last year, and he was not the same prospect. Uh, Onya was not the same guy. Onya was really really raw. He was yeah. fresh off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he just signed. Yeah, he just right. floated in like three days before. Ah, he wasn't even in instructs. I don't think. Uh, Morahone was there, but he didn't pitch. I think they had two prospect games, but he pitched in the one that wasn't televised. Yeah, um, or open to the public. Uh, but a couple of other guys, uh, new guys that we're hoping for. Uh, number one, again, I have a soft spot for this guy. He gets a ton of great reports. He's Mexican. Uh, Terso Ornelas. I hope he gets an opportunity to shine. It'd be a nice little homecoming for him. Um, the two guys we really want to see. I really want to see Gore because he's white. <laughs> no, that's, if you want to see Ornelas because he's Mexican, I want to see Gore because he's white. That's that's not a good take, guy. <laughs> that's 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 not a good take at all. This this is probably going to get shut down soon. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so the two guys we want to see, and not he's because of their Mexican. skin color. It's a good marketing promotion for them. Okay, it's like Urias. I keep telling you why. That's why Gonzalez was so huge here. Um, but uh, the two guys we really want to see that weren't there last year for obvious reasons, 
Uh, Michelle Baez, I really want to see in person. Big time. Big time. And then, of course, Mackenzie Gore, who's probably our slam dunk uh, number one prospect. I think he might get the start next year because uh, remember Espinosa got the start next year, and this was a guy. Teams were people were complaining, dumb fans complaining. Well, we traded our best player Pomeranz for one guy, and then I think they saw Espinosa throw those in, throw that inning or two, and were like, okay, yeah, exactly. Mark Completely Grant was really away. impressed uh, when uh, Espinosa up there. He's like, guys, guys throwing ninety five plus with two C movement. Yeah, Quantrill came in and threw very well. Naylor hit also. a home run. Yeah, it was it was exciting. So it's going to be fun to see these guys a year older, uh, and and especially Tatis Jr. and uh, Luis Urias, who are on the cusp. Now, speaking of Tatis Jr., uh, there was some buzz in Padres Twitter, Eric, that uh, his uh, his defense might not be up to snuff, which we'll talk about a little bit later in our Twitter segment. <laughs> uh, but I do want to say. That I did uh, have the opportunity to join Keith Law's chat this year, or this past week, and uh, I got a question in. So I asked him on a scale of one to, oh my God, how excited should Padre Land be for Tatis Jr.? His answer was very blunt. Uh, he's probably a top five prospect, could see major league time in 2018. How damn exciting is that? That's very exciting. I think, I think, um, he hasn't really been hitting that well. Well, he I just mean, got up there. Small sample size, of yeah. course. He hit his first home run today on Monday. Well, that's good. Congrats. Almost hit, too. The other one was uh, for a double. But I think it depends on, A, how he finishes the rest of this year, and, B, how he hits in the spring. But Agreed. I mean, his de- we'll get into that later about yeah. his defense. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would put him at Elsinore because the, the talent level at Fort Wayne compared to Elsinore is not that big of a difference as we were um, enlightened by uh, Mr. John Conniff of Mad Friars. There's not that big of a jump between Fort Wayne and Lake Elsinore. There so. really isn't. There, I've always wondered why they have low A and high A, and I figure that they have it because they got a lot of kids in college, like seniors and stuff. Right. They got a stuff somewhere. You know, you can only, I mean, the Padres are inter squatting, they have so many damn prospects. So. I agree. I, I feel like a jump to single A would not have done him much good. Usually, college players will go into high A, like a Renfro would have started or maybe spent some time in Fort Wayne and then jumped into single A uh, or high single A. I feel like at this point in the, at this point in time, if they felt like he was ready to move, putting him in Elsinore would have been a waste of time. Now, I've heard he's been playing third base and second base. and, and uh, I hate that, by the way. I hate it, too. Absolutely hate that. It Why do- are you putting him at third base to put Javi fucking Garrett shortstop? I don't know. Hate but it. I, I, there was a couple of takes on Twitter I agree with that. If this is just a short-term thing, just to get him in the lineup, then that's fine. I'm okay with it. I don't agree with it from a developmental standpoint. But as long as it's not a long-term issue, it's only for a couple of weeks in the playoffs then I'm okay with it. It's only for the next two or three weeks. I don't think they view him as anything other than their shortstop of the future. Put Garrett back down to Elsinore. I mean, the season's basically over anyways for him. But Garrett well, has... The playoffs and yada, yada, yada. Garrett has no place starting at shortstop with Tatis being on yeah. on the roster at right. all. And to put Garrett at short with Tatis at third, and he even played second... Why? I, th- I thought the second base was a little odd. It's a weird. It's, a, it's extremely odd. It's a little odd. But like I said, I, I don't really care in the short term. I don't think this is a long term move. Now, if this is long term and he goes in next year and he's still move playing third with Garrett short, then I'll, I'll question it. But as of right now, it's, he's getting in the lineup. Whatever. It, it doesn't bother me. You go play third, Gary. You sack of shit. Put him at second base. I, I was gonna say Garrett probably is better at second base than he is at third. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who cares? He's he's basically a non-factor these days, anyways. 
Um, but anyways, let's let's get into that Twitter segment because there's been a lot going on on Padres Twitter. Want to thank everybody for reaching out to Eric at Miserable SD Fan. Um, I was tagged in all this for some reason, even though I don't particularly participate. <laughs> but at Five Point Five Dance, so we always like the uh, feedback and the questions. Uh, but let's go ahead and go over these questions. A lot of good stuff uh, this week. Yeah, let's let's keep on that same topic of top tea. So we'll get right into it. Um, my favorite. Well, let's 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 put each other on spot. This is probably dumb this is that, our hashtag hot take. No, this is probably <laughs> this is probably a dumb thing to say. But if you had to pick a listener off Twitter, and you probably don't even know, but if you had to pick one, who's your favorite person to interact with on Twitter? Well, you're always my favorite because you always come up with some funny shit. Even listener at my wise, listener wise, let's. Uh, you know if you what? take more than three seconds, I'm moving on. You know what? Craig Meddy is pretty... I was going to say, Craig Craig Meddy, I think, is my favorite. You know, Craig, leisure, leisure fryer, not leisure bolt, <laughs> leisure fryer, even though he wants we'll me to, to be fired, yeah. which we'll get to later. Uh, but I'd say leisure fryer is right up there. He's my 1A, but Craig Meddy's my number one guy. Man. He's constantly talking us up and, and interacting with us. I was going to say, Craig Meddy, I also like uh, Jake Tremblay quite a bit, too. So, um, anyways, all you guys, we appreciate you checking in. Uh, Craig Meddy, <laughs> he says, how does playing in si- or how is playing in single A better for Tatis to work on his defense compared to double A? Because that's what EVT suggested, East Village Times. It doesn't. Next question. So, to that point, he's referencing a, a tweet from James Clark. So James and, Clark, and this was the hot take I was talking about. So James Clark, he's the co-host of the East Village Times podcast, which is one of my favorites. But Very good listen. Quality guests on that show, by the way, if you guys want some real good insight. Oh, yeah. Extremely jealous of the guest list there. But um, So he says, he posts, a, he posts a video, right, of Tatis making a throwing error in San Antonio. And James Clark says, defensively, Fernando Tatis has much to work on. A start in Lake Elsinore for 2018 seems inevitable. For the young man, so that's what that's what Craig Meddy's referring to. So, do you? Here's my thing about it, and I and I told James, and I, I honestly I feel like he got a little a little bit defensive. I think so. Up. I don't think he was expecting the reaction that he got, uh, and I was uh, well, I, I told, was admittedly I a part this. of that reaction. I told him this. I said, "Hey, didn't we shit all over Barry Bloom for seeing one throwing error and writing off Tatis?" Yeah. To James's credit, I don't think he's seeing one throwing error, and maybe because they've had the guests that they've had. Who knows what kind of off-air conversations they've had with these guys. My thing is, it doesn't really matter what le- he's going to be playing shortstop regardless. It doesn't matter what level he's at. He's going to learn at some rate. So I don't think going down to single A Elsinore is going to do him any better. He's clearly above Fort Wayne. And if he's above Fort Wayne, he's probably above the California League, which is also a hitter's league. I think he's better off where he's at now in double A. Um, in terms of the, the take, I can kind of see where, where James is coming from. From a roster standpoint, he did skip the league. I, I just don't see any benefit to it. My biggest thing that I will always cite is I am not a scout. I highly doubt any of the guys who do these podcasts, and we're all great. Everybody's great. It's, it's a wonderful community we have now. But How do you know? You don't listen. I've heard the podcast. <laughs> I just don't consistently listen to them. But I've heard the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I've heard the, the East Village Times podcast. I've heard Jagoff and Marver and his awful Brad Hans sits half a season take. But, I mean, you know, we all contribute a lot. Everything's great. I just... I just don't see the need to, to move Tatis down, and I don't think that we are we have enough of a scout's eye to really say that with any certainty. So I always go and lean on what I read from the pros, and that's guys like Keith Law and Eric Loggenhagen, who just so happened to like my tweet 
Uh, and uh, Danny was so jazzed. He was so oh giddy. man, it made my day. He got Longenhagen and Keith Law to respond well, to well, his tweets. Well, getting Longenhagen was great. Getting Keith Law, I can die a happy man. Um, but so pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Says you. So my thing here's my thing with the whole Tatis um, issue with with defense. So even if you do see it as hey, his defense probably isn't good enough, like. I feel like we should focus on offensively because you can work on the defense at San Antonio the same way you work on your defense at Lake Elsinore. He can work on that it up here. That doesn't change. What changes is the level of pitching that you're facing. Agreed, and, and competition. Guys, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it doesn't – the ground balls are still the same. It's still the same. We're going to say, oh, speed of the game? No. <laughs> I'm just going to pull the old Bud Black speed of the game. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. you should sit on the bench for a week or so to learn the speed of the game. No, I agree with you. And like I said, you, you've got guys like Keith Law – and Loggenhagen, who's really the first guy to jump on the Tatis bandwagon, saying, like, you know, this this guy is probably going to be a shortstop. I know Loggenhagen in that tweet specifically said that he, he always thought a move to third was inevitable, but that timetable continually gets pushed back because Tatis more and more looks like he's going to stick as a very good defensive shortstop. And I agree, it doesn't really matter what level he's adjusting defensively at. I, I think he's better off facing tougher competition, especially when you have guys like, like those two scouts who know, you know, the insides and out of the system and they have resources and sources they can trust saying that this guy might be a major leaguer in a calendar year. Yeah, so sticking with the East Village Times podcast uh, theme here, Patrick Brewer, um, he asks, he says, I would like a genuine discussion on whether we think too highly of our own prospects. I thought that was a very interesting question. I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, it's a really good question, and, and thanks, Pat. You do good work. Um, no, it's a, it's a great question. Eric and I were talking about this off air, and I think we both agreed uh, that at the end of the day, we are so desperate for this tank to work, and we want so bad to have you know great winning baseball. You look at what the Astros and the Cubs have done and how exciting that is, and they tanked. I do think that um, we very much to a point overvalue our prospects because we're so desperate for a winner. I know for us, you and I personally, I like all of our prospects that we have, all those top guys. Tatis, to me, is the only one that I'm really, you know, slam dunk on. Exactly, slam dunk. He's the, he's the only one. Um, but I, I do think that we are more desperate for this to work than we are, oh, we overvalue everybody. I would argue that Urias is a slam dunk. I don't care about his power. I don't either, and I think you're, I think you're right. I think he's pretty close. With the bat, the bat to ball, and I'm going to sound like a scout, but I don't know jack shit. <laughs> Every single level, he gets on base. He does not strike out. He draws walks. More walks than strikeouts. Yeah. Every single level, and he's still very young. I feel like he's a slam dunk. I think you're right. Tatis is, he's he's upper echelon for sure. But Urias is also on not that same level, but he's up there for sure. I think he's the next tier down. Urias, because he doesn't hit for power, isn't in everybody's top 100. But I don't think there is any doubt that he's going to be a very good major leaguer. Maybe more. So I would agree with you. But then other than that, I mean, you look at our pitching prospects and you see guys like Quantrill, Lucchese, and it's... And I think Quantrill's a, a, a whole different class than Lucchese, but it's a lot of maybes. A lot of maybes. A lot of, oh, well, he could probably be a good three or four. Yeah. A lot of those guys. But to your point earlier, I mean, we're so desperate for this to work that I, I do feel like sometimes we're like, 
hell yeah, of course our prospects are great. Yeah, and because we're losing, and that's this is why we're losing. Yeah. we want it to work so bad. And the one thing that we don't want to happen is a few years down the road, 2019 comes, 2020, 2021, and we suck. Yeah, that'd be awful. That's the last thing that we yeah, want. We're guys so bust. desperate for these guys to to pan out. That I do think, yeah, I do think sometimes we overvalue these guys, and I, I'm very much guilty of that. Oh yeah, I think we all are, and I think it's hard to not get excited and to overvalue them when you have. All these scouting outlets, you know, Baseball America, Baseball Perspectives, Fangraphs, ESPN. You know, everybody's got the Padres ranked as like this top, anywhere from top five to top three system. If they continue to develop, guys, if you get Morajone, Baez um, into double A and you get some of the other guys like Hudson Potts gets into high single A and he's had a pretty good year. These guys start moving closer. That system ranking, because part of it is like how close is this impact talent that is a big factor in it and that's why other teams ranked higher than the Padres even though the Padres have from a a talent standpoint the deepest most talented system a lot of the guys are in single A to start next year this could be a top three to top one system because now you've got Naylor, Quantrill, Lauer, Lucchese, Tatis, Urias all these guys are in double A I mean they're only a level away and I, I do think that it's hard to not get hyped and overvalue them when they're when you have talent that close and you have this system being touted that highly more so than when Hoyer had it at the number one overall per Keith Law. I think this system is far more talented than anything Hoyer built when he was here in his short time. Yeah, also, I think we're going to get even more overhyped on these guys once they start getting into, especially the bats, once they start getting into the place where they're in El Paso oh, and no, their numbers can, spike. Now remember, Hunter Renfro hit really well at El Paso. Yeah, Austin Hedges hit, what, 321 in El Paso? Yeah, I think he hit, he drove in like Temper expectations just a yeah. little bit once these guys start getting into El Paso. Then that's... Honestly, that kind of going back to Tatis, that's why it wouldn't surprise me if he goes from double A to majors. Why even waste his time in El Paso? Yeah, and people don't realize, like, double A is not... Triple A is more for, like, four a like the Jankowskis or the Shimps or guys on rehab. Um, and then occasionally you'd get a guy over there who's, like, an actual prospect. But it's not as prospect-heavy as you might think. The, the jump to double A is not as big as some people might think. Yeah, so... To, to kind of I could it. see Tatis though going to AAA and, and Urias going to AAA just because they're so young yeah. that it'd be good for them to face like like I said those those Brad Penny types you know those those six starters Jeremy Guthrie yeah the Jeremy Guthries of the world you know the the uh, the Chassines of the world that are down there you know guys who are you know borderline four A major league players yeah definitely and to to kind of put a bow on it yes I, I do think that we are sometimes guilty of overhyping these guys hard and not to be I'm I'm one of the worst offenders like for sure so you were all over Renfro's nuts a oh, year ago I was, dude. and you I were was. shitting all over me when I kept trying to tell you look guy he doesn't walk you got a temper expect why don't they bring him up now yeah so yeah how'd that work out for you not too great not i'm too right great. more often than eric wants to admit but we won't go down that route maybe yeah be so. a better friend and not throw him under the bus <laughs> so uh drunk flannery oh, he God. says uh you're my seventh favorite padre podcast thanks so, thank you appreciate that um mark at manning face 80 he says you guys are the best hey thanks mark uh, he says, talk about what we can do to make sure these player weekend jerseys never see the light of day again. Well, let's pretend they never happened because, good God, they were awful. And I'm not talking about the Padres. League-wide, they were almost, I mean, almost consensus awful. There was a handful of good ones. The I've, Royals and the Dodgers looked good. I felt like the Cardinals had good ones. Yeah. The Cardinals looked pretty The sweet. Red Sox looked good. The Yankees I liked a lot. 
eh, it's kind of different seeing the last names on yeah, there. Yeah, it was. I like the hats, that's why. I like the hats. I like the gray with like the, the Yankee script. I thought it looked good. But for the most part, the other 25 teams suck. The Rays might be the worst. Great idea. Poor, poor execution. Those don't look like... I played Little League. I don't remember having these like... You know, rainbow sherbet jerseys. Absolutely not. And specifically, kind of narrowing down to the Padre unis, man, that yellow. I mean, who decided that yellow? Highlighter yellow. It was so awful. You know, it wouldn't have looked as bad without the sleeves. It would have looked, it, it, instead of being a 3 out of 10, it would have been like a 3.5 out of 10 if it wasn't for the damn sleeves. But God, that was ugly. Why didn't they just do the brown? Yeah, I mean, that's what, it's exactly what I was going to say. So no other team in the league had brown. We could have stuck right out with the brown. Do brown and brown and yellow and hints of orange. And it would have been perfect. Or you, go, you could have done the navy, the dark blue, because the Tigers were on the road. So they wore, uh, like the Oriole, they wore gray and orange. You could have done the navy blue and the damn orange from the 98 years with that. Exactly. What? I don't understand why they're so adverse to just accept, just accept what fans like. The two most popular jerseys for the Padres... Tony Gwynn wore them both. The 84 unis and the 98 unis. How is it so hard to just pick between one of those two classics? Now, to stand up for the Padres here, to give them a, a, a little bit of credit, it could have been Major League Baseball that that did this. I, I, I doubt that the Padres had 100%. Well, you think it was all the Padres call? I it wouldn't surprise me. I'm just saying. I have a feeling that it had something to do with the Padres. Yeah. I don't know why. It wouldn't surprise me, but because man, it looks awful. This is the way I look at it. Major League Baseball wants to sell product. Nobody buys these ugly-ass jerseys. Everyone bought the brown All-Star jerseys last year, They were the, the highest-selling All-Star batting practice jerseys of all time. The brown jerseys are popular. Even the All-Star home jersey last year, the blue SD with the white border, that's my favorite Padre jersey they've come out with since 1998. When the, Well, I think it was 93. So... They came out with the, the blue and orange pinstripes, I believe, for the first, the the second All-Star game that was here uh, when we had McGriff and Sheffield and Gwynn and Fernandez and uh, the good old days I wasn't around for. I think that's when they came out with the blue and orange. So they again went to a New Jersey for the All-Star. That's pretty popular. People, The hat was definitely popular, yeah. and I think the jersey was popular. For God's sakes, it's not brown, but Jesus, stick with that. What was wrong with that? Well, then you have the nicknames on the jerseys. I I love the idea of giving players the options. Some to of them are absolutely nicknames. awful. Myers. <laughs> Seriously. Come on, where's White Queso? Hedgy. Spangy. Thank God they didn't call him Saxy. Did Bud Black name these guys? <laughs> Spangy and Hedgy? <laughs> oh my God, dude. Spange. I would have taken Spange Endberg it was, over, <laughs> over Spangy. It was absolutely awful. What what would your uh, player's weekend jersey say on the back? What would your nickname say? So if we're basing it off the adult league, it'd probably be Pulled Hammy. Yeah. DL. <laughs> DL. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I, was I liked uh, Danny O is what I went by in a uh, little league because for some reason or another I always had another kid named Danny on the team so it was always Danny O. But it wouldn't uh, be a uh, devilish Dan like no. uh, Jagoff likes to call you. No, 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 yeah. not devilish Dan. Yeah, more like a DL Dan, uh, backup Dan, two inning Dan. I was telling you at work yesterday that mine would say Big Country. Yes. C U N T R Y. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's how they spell it in school. Well, that's how I would spell it. Yeah. So, uh, again, with Mark, uh, at ManningFace80, he says, Oh, and the Vagiants are kidding themselves thinking they can get Stanton, right? So, Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, man. It, it, came, out today that, it came out today that the Giants are, are, are the strongest pursuers. Um, 
for Stanton. I don't see it happening. I, I they don't, don't have see the it pieces. either. Exactly. It's exactly what I was going to say. The only way I could see it, they have some pieces. They have some pieces there. They not enough. Absolutely not. But I think they could do like, they drafted some outfielder last year that fell because of signing issues. That was a good pick. I'm sure they have some stuff, some guys in there. They could probably throw Ty Block in there. But I think the only way they get Stanton is if the Marlins front office is willing to just send the whole contract and take a lesser package for it. It's the only way I can see them doing it. And they can it. afford it, they, the Giants. I think they can afford it technically, but it would hamstring them greatly. Now, Stanton makes – his contract is structured really weird. He has like a peak salary, and then it goes back down to something more realistic. It's not like Pools' contract where it's just awful the whole time. It's essentially the rest of his deal. I want to say, and it's probably a little bit off, but it's about 10 years and $285 million. It is. It's the way that it's structured that's weird. Let me actually pull it up. It's it's really interesting how they actually uh, how they actually went about like how he's how he's going to get paid. Because typically contracts are backloaded, right? Like Pools made like $14 million the first two years uh, in, in L.A. Like his first two years is $14 million each. And then he started getting 28, and now that's what he's making now, and they're you know dreadfully regretting it. Um, let me pull up stands because his kind of go- it's like a bell curve. Like he doesn't make a lot up front, and then he peaks, and then it goes back down. I'm pulling it up right now. So while you're pulling that up, I was telling you before we started recording that I view Stanton kind of as like, and I'm not comparing them at, on the field, but like a Mike Trout for example. So yeah, you could trade for him, but the amount of players that you have to get up, that you have to give up to get him, at that point, there's nothing surrounding him. Yeah, so that, what's the point? That's true. I think, you know, the Giants are they're a weird team. They don't really develop the farm system too much, but they kind of go through these different waves. They have guys on the roster now. Stanton completely changes the outlook. I mean, he turns them. They're not a 500 team with him, but they're much better off. But I, I think he'd cripple any team financially uh, because of the money he makes. Now, this year he's only making $14 million. So he signed, uh, let's see here. Okay, so I think his contract started back in, I want to say 2012, I feel like. Oh, no, it started in 2014. So he's made 6.5 in 2014, 2015. Last year was 9, which is a steal. Even this year, it's 14. Now, he's a $30 million player. After this year is where it starts to get steep. From 2018 through 2022, he's going to make 25, 26, 26, 29, 29 million. And that's at age 32. Then it gets really bad. Ages 33 through 35, he's making 32 million, and then it, and then it goes back down again. It goes to 29 million, and then 25 million, and then he has a 25 million dollar team option with a 10 million dollar buyout uh, in 2028 at age 38. So, a team like the Giants, yeah, that that probably does hamstring him. Yeah, I mean, team- you got a guy till he's 38, and and I love Stanton. Let's be honest, this is you know he doesn't stay on the field. I mean, he's hitting 50 home runs. Nobody's surprised. It's a matter of him actually being on the field to do it. I'm not stunned that he can. he's going to hit 50 to 60 jacks. It's more of like, wow, he's going to play 140, 150 games. Now, I feel like just because we have a Padre podcast, we have to throw it out there. I would take Stan on the Padres. Of oh, course. absolutely. Of They'd have to I eat would. a shit ton of salary, but I'd do it. No. Here's the thing. I would take that entire contract Ooh. for a lesser package going back for him. I would take on that entire contract. What do they have to lose? Who are they paying in the next five to seven years, no one. That is true. They are paying no one. That would that would probably account for uh, probably sixty percent of their payroll would go to Stanton. But I don't give a shit. When your payroll is 60, 60 million, I don't care. You got to spend that money somehow. Here's the counter argument to that: If they get him now, he's only going to get more expensive as he gets older. When you got a guy like you know, if, if everything works out the way we want it to, 
I don't think Quantrill is going to be a guy that they would extend because of his age by the time he comes up. But if Baez is as good as advertised, if if Espinosa, you know, makes it back and he's as good as advertised, Morajon, and then you have Tatis and Urias and whoever the hell else they acquire, Gore, you are blowing, you know, what's probably going to be a fourth of the pair. I mean, by that time, the Padres payroll, I mean, I think realistically, middle of the road is going to be 120, 150, but you're going to blow a fifth of that. Who cares? On a mid but. You're you're sacrificing that for younger talent that is going to be better going forward than what Stanton is going to be by the time he's making that money. I love Giancarlo Stanton. The Marlins would have to pay down quite a bit of that contract for me to be open to keeping him till 38 years old. Because once you get him, it's not a Matt Kemp deal where you might be able to dump him. Um, I cannot see. I I have a hard time seeing a scenario where a team is willing to give up what the Marlins are rightfully going to be asking for, but they have no leverage here. He's signed through 38 years old. He has been injury prone his entire career and he's peaking now, but I don't think teams are going to bank on that because the track record isn't there and you're giving up so much and you're handcuffing yourself by paying this guy $30 million a year until he's 38. A team like the Giants might be able to pull that off because they're a higher revenue team. A team like the Padres that is clearly trying to build up a pipeline of talent probably can't take that risk yes they can they can take that risk they probably should not take that risk there's only a handful of teams that should be willing to take that risk the giants are one of them the dodgers the yankees the red sox the cubs those are the teams that can do it and then get away with it and not have to worry because they have such they have such high revenues the padres if it went south would be fucked because they're and not to mention even if it didn't they're building through the draft though they're clearly building through the draft and international signings they are who are you gonna pay you have to pay someone oh i are they agree gonna have a 30 million dollar payroll for the next 12 years i agree that they're gonna have to pay but you're also gonna have to pay that young talent that young talent when it comes up if tatis Quantrill, lauer lucchese urias if those guys are up by 2019 that clock starts by the time 2022 comes around they're not cheap anymore. They're going to start getting paid through arbitration. They're going to get raises. The Padres need to be financially smart. If Stanton wasn't signed through 38, yeah, absolutely do it. But I be- think I would argue that's the only reason he's available is because of his contract. I think so because the Marlins don't the Marlins realize what a mistake. Well, Jeffrey Lurie is a shitbag. Let's just put it out there. He's a shitbag. He he gutted the uh, Expos before uh, moving on and now he's gutting the Marlins. So, here's a hot take alert. If oh. you trade for Stanton, you get him going into the Hall of Fame in a Padre hat. Maybe, if he can stay healthy. There's no maybe about it. There is. He's not a Hall of Famer right now. Dan, he could play 81 games, and he would put up 40 bombs. I don't look into the counting numbers, and you know that. <laughs> well, the Hall of Fame voters do, I unfortunately. Know. So well, maybe tri- and, and, not so much anymore. And this whole thing is dumb because it's never going to happen, but it's fun to think about because, God damn it, I want him on the Padres really bad. So, I know. You know, we're, Remember there was that rumor that the Marlins were asking for like a package surrounded around Jet Jerko? Jerko yeah. And we were like, fuck yeah, do it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, please. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're already at um, over an hour here. Which, oh, I'm stunned. Which, uh, if you're still listening, thanks if you've stuck with us from here. So, uh, we'll have to forego the uh, the Padres jag-off. When will we get a Danny Ortiz uh, smooth handy uh, GoFundMe up? 
We'll have to uh, pass on the uh, at leisure fryer uh, hashtag fire Daniel Ortiz. Yeah, what the hell? Did I turn into Marvel all of a sudden? What's going on? <laughs> so there's one more that I want to touch on here before we get out of here. And this isn't, the guy didn't even tweet at us about it. It was just, he kind of put it out there and I thought that, um, I, I thought that it was kind of a cool concept. So it, he said that, and, and I don't have it immediately here in front of me, but he said, if you were the commissioner for a day and you can make one rule change, but you couldn't change anything else for five years after that, what are you changing? We did go over this off air. So we have two things. Uh, the first thing that came to mind for me, uh, even though I agree with the one Eric's going to go with more, uh, mine would be the designated here. That's the one thing. Now, you know, some people are going to get pissed that, that you're saying that. I don't give a fuck, <laughs> to be honest. I don't see any value. Let me, let me rephrase this. There is statistically and strategically absolutely zero value in having the pitcher hit. There's also zero entertainment value. If you like seeing a big, fat, bumbling oaf like Bartolo Colon hit, more power to you. Go out and watch Sunday Adult League games for free. I don't see any value, and it is boring to watch the pitcher go up there and purposely make a fucking out. It is a waste of time. It risks injury to the pitchers because let's pretend Quantrill comes up. And let's pretend he's that number, that, that soft number one, definite number two bulldog pitcher we all think he's going to be. And let's say they throw a fastball that gets away, and it hits him in his right hand, and now he's out, and he comes back throwing 88 miles an hour. Was it really worth it to have him up there for the novelty that he might run into one once every 500 plate appearances? I mean, that's a little extreme. But I'm just saying, is it really worth it? Like, people talk like, oh, look at Bumgarner. It's like, yeah, but Bumgarner in all reality isn't even better than a league average player. He's well, he's not better than Renfro, and Renfro is a replacement level player. It's a waste to have the pitcher hit. It is not fun. And if you don't believe me, how much fun is watching an American League game? American League playoff games are way more fun than the National League. Because it would be cool to have a, D, a full-time DH in Coors Field. Yeah, I just I mean, just in general, how much more of a chance? Number one, you would expect run scoring to go up because I think the American League's earned run average is about a half run higher. And number two, who the hell wants to watch the pitcher hit? I don't, I've never understood the novelty. It's cool when it happens, but it's useless. There's so many useless hitting pitchers. It's not worth it. It's not worth the injury. Tyson Ross got hurt one year swinging the damn bat. His shoulder popped out of his socket taking a hack. It's not worth it. These guys are not, they're not trained to hit. They don't work on their hitting. You're just risking injury. And the sack bun is fucking boring. It's an automatic out and it reduces run scoring dramatically. Get rid of it. Let's bring in the DH. I'm going to say, I won't say robot umps. Yeah, it's I'll a- say automated strike zone. Agreed. Because I feel like I feel like when people hear robot umps, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, they think of a big box that goes bleep, bleep, blurp. Exactly. <laughs> With lights. Automated strike zone. All it is, it's a, the umpire's still back there. He's wearing a headpiece, but he doesn't make the call. We don't have to worry about those dipshits back there and they're fucked up zones oh my there's God. someone behind there they have the pitch tracks if it's in the zone he says strike and the umpire says Hoo! yeah the, that's they, it and they still get to do their you know ah! when yeah. they ring them up we saw this with eric burns when they did it in uh, i think it was an independent game but he's sitting in a booth off to the side that's what made me come around to is exactly what yeah. you're about to say eric Bur- and i love eric burns great forward thinking former player very rare but he's sitting in a booth off to the side Umpire has a headpiece in. He's watching the, uh, what are they called? Pitch tracks, I think is what right. they call it. He's watching pitch tracks, and he's basically saying, he's just leaning in the mic, much like I am right now, and going, strike. And then the umpire will say, heat. 
Or he says ball. The umpire will say ball. It's that easy. And it eliminates all this horse shit that we have to watch. John Jay got struck out on a bad pitch. He was upset because it's in the heat of the game. And as soon as he rung him up, that fat slob Joe West took off his mask and stared him down, waiting, waiting for him to turn around so he can heave him. And then that idiot has the gall to go wear a white wristband, which MLB shot down pretty quickly. One so, day. One day. It took him one day to say, that's not a uniform code. Take that shit off or face fines. But he's literally waiting to heave him out and then wants to complain about verbal assault the umpires. If you did your damn jobs and stopped making it the damn ump show, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Has anybody else noticed this shit wasn't prevalent five to ten years ago? I don't even I don't even know how the hell I know the umpires' names. I never used to know their names. Yeah, I miss the good old days with Earl Weaver. You're here to fuck us. Oh, God, I love Earl Weaver. <laughs> Earl Weaver, you were ahead of your time, sir. Yeah, I hear hair, and you're here to fuck us. Yeah. So that if you don't again, I'll punch you in the mouth. Yeah, so threatening that, the umpires. Yeah. Man, Joe West would not have been able to handle Earl Weaver. Absolutely not. <laughs> he would be wrapped in wrapped in that wristbands for sure. So that would be mine. The automated strike zone. I also I, I also tossed out the idea of uh, relegation. So kind of like how soccer does it. The worst team, like for example, in baseball terms, the Padres finish the worst team in the league. They would be demoted to AAA. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like it would be interesting to see the Padres actually have to try. They just to compete. not enough depth. I heard that. Uh, the I don't know. If it's called. The, I don't know what the hell it's called in soccer. But a friend of mine at work actually played uh, professional soccer so they have so much depth that they can relegate baseball can't do that this is well i know but it's, but it's, it's a fun, fun it's a fun idea maybe if you get the worst record you get the top draft pick but you have to pay a fine yeah yeah we'll see yeah anyway so we're almost at an hour 10 minutes here and it's uh, it's getting kind of late and actually uh within, and now it's closed i will not be getting my low carb protein style burger tonight actually within the last probably 10 or 15 minutes i just saw that uh east village times posted their podcast so i'll probably i'll actually i'm gonna hit the gym after this i'll listen to that actually uh they're gonna have to go on the back burner because i saw dave and jeff put one out today so they All take right. presidents or anything else those are our guys right there so um do you have anything else you want to add before uh, before we're done well, I want to say that nobody's getting a free beer. No, no one's getting a free, <laughs> no one's getting a free beer because Danny did not did not uh, scream from the rooftops. He's a single dad today. So not today. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we'll check in next week. Um, we're planning. I'll 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 come out and say we're we're gonna try to figure out how to get a caller back on when we have um, our new studio set up. So we want to bring back Kevin Charity because we want to talk about the um futures game that's coming up september call up so that's hopefully in the works next week because hey he's the best guest we've ever had on the show <laughs> he's the only guest we've ever he's had on the show that's like me saying i have a favorite daughter <laughs> yeah exactly so um we'll we'll see about that we hope we hope we have him next week uh, hey if you stuck with us through this through this shit show then we appreciate it and uh we'll check in next week we're out of here